Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So let's pray. Father, you are our Father. Lord, we are your children, and we come to you to teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 37, and it says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto their father their evil report. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Or as it is in Hebrew, they couldn't say shalom to him. He says shalom, they don't say shalom. Now, this is an interesting passage here because what it's showing is that Jacob is an old man and he has a son. And as a matter of fact, this son is actually known as that title. He's the son of his old age. He's the son of his old age. That's his name. That's how he's known. But this Joseph turns out to be the favorite son of Jacob. He was his favorite son. He loves him more than any of his other children. He prefers him above any of his other children. He chooses Joseph above any of his other children. And the reason that Joseph was loved more than any of the other sons of Jacob was because he was the son of his old age. That's what it says. It says that's the reason why he loved him more. Why would Jacob love Joseph more than the others? Because he's the son of his old age. Why? What's the reason? It's left for us to wonder. We don't know. I mean, maybe, I mean, you can think about it. You say, well, how come he loves him more than, than all of his other sons because he's the son of his old age? Well, maybe it's because he's old now, so he's got more time to spend with Joseph. And that's the reason why he loves him. We just got more time to spend with him. I mean, maybe it's just because, you know, Jacob, he's finished building his family empire, and now he can just spend more time raising Joseph. Maybe that's the reason why. Or maybe it's just because Jacob, he made all his mistakes in raising his other children, and now he's gonna raise this one right. You know, I remember one of our finance officers a long time ago, decades ago, he was talking to me about one of his daughters, and he told me that, he told his daughter, he said, you know, when you grow up, you're gonna be great. He said, when you grow up, you're gonna be great because by the time you grow up, you will have made every mistake there is to make. <laughs> Maybe it was that reason, I don't know. I mean, maybe Jacob, he just thought, you know, that he'd made every mistake there was to make in raising children, raising sons, and okay, now he's got it down. But whatever the reason is, whatever the reason is, Jacob loves Joseph more than all of his other children because he's the son of his old age. It just seems to be related to something changed in Jacob. 
There was a difference now. He wasn't the same as he used to be when he was younger. Now he's an older man, okay. But when we look at the greatest change that happened to Jacob, that change is Genesis 32. Genesis 32 is the great change, and that happened to Jacob when he was old. He was old, and, and what was it? What was it in Genesis 32? It was an all-night wrestling. It was an all-night fight. It was an all-night fight with God that ends up for Jacob with his hip out of joint. I mean, that's enough to make any person old <laughs> instantly, right? But that this was the great change that happened to Jacob. See, and the place of Genesis 32, it's called Peniel, that's the place, Peniel. And when Jacob left Peniel in Genesis 32, he wasn't the same man compared to when he came to that place. He was a different man. Genesis 32 is the fight between Jacob and Jehovah Jesus. He's fighting God. And Jacob came into the fight stubbornly resisting God's will for his life. And Jacob fights with God, and Jacob loses the fight. I mean, he loses the fight, he lost. He's the loser. But the amazing thing is, is that he's a loser, he's got a hip out of joint. But then all of a sudden, he becomes the winner. Jacob becomes the winner. When Jehovah Jesus put, put Jacob's thigh out of joint, it was over, it was done. Jacob lost the fight. But it was at that point when Jacob did something, and he changed, and it was all about his hands. He changed his hands from fighting against Jehovah Jesus or fighting with Jehovah Jesus to clinging now to Jehovah Jesus. It was that change and where he's saying, I'm not gonna let you get away. And when he changed from a person fighting with God to a person clinging to God, Jacob the loser becomes Jacob the winner. See, Jacob the fighter with God, and when he loses, he lost. And when he lost, Jacob the clinger to God wins. And so at this decisive moment, when Jacob changed from being the fighter with God to being the clinger to God, Jacob wins. And when Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me, he's saying, I'd rather die than let God go. And so then God says, oh, he says, you're now the winner. And I'm gonna mark you out as the winner. I'm gonna crown you, God says. I'm gonna crown you with a new name. And he says to him in Genesis 32, 28, Genesis 32, 28, and God speaking says, and he said, thy name shall be no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hath prevailed. You know what it's like? It's just like God took this quivering hand of Jacob, he's got a thigh out of joint. I mean, I've never had that, I don't want that. But can you imagine the pain, the excruciating pain no morphine. He's sitting there and he's, like, he's got this quivering hand and he's in the wrestling ring and God takes the hand and holds it up and says, the winner is Jacob. You know, the winner, I crown him with this new name Israel. That's an amazing thing. And that shows us an amazing secret behind this name, Israel. It's all in that, all in that moment there. It's an amazing secret and it's all seen in what God said. Because in Genesis 32, 28, he says, Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. You won. And this amazing secret comes from the amazing statement that God made to Jacob when Jacob was in the state of utter weakness. He was just in excruciating pain. He just had his hip put out of joint. And at that point, God gives to Jacob the crowning name of Israel. 
I mean, Jacob's body is quivering. He's in shock. He's in the shock of the pain. And then God gives him the crowning name of Israel. He's so weak, all he can do with all of his might, what he's decided to do with whatever might he's got left, is to cling to God. And so God says, okay, what you're doing right now, clinging to God, I crown you the winner with this name Israel. That's a secret. That's a secret behind the name Israel. The name Israel. Don't look to the state of Israel for the secret of Israel because the state of Israel say, by our might, we have done it. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible here says the secret behind the name of Israel was that when Jacob was in an utter state of weakness, God said to him, you have power. You have the power of a prince. You have power with God and with men. You won. You prevailed. God looked at a man, Jacob, in complete state of weakness and said he had power with God and with man and has prevailed. That's a great secret. That's a secret that a man in his utter weakness can be so powerful to have power with God and with man. How's that possible? How is that possible? That's what God told Jacob. And when Jacob was in that state of absolute weakness and Jacob was powerful, great secret. That's the same secret that God told Paul. God told Paul that secret in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when he said, he said, God said to me, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will, will I therefore rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches. You know what he's saying? Bring them on. In reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. And here's the secret. For when I am weak, then am I strong. See, so God says to Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So what God was saying to Paul was that when you're totally weak, then I look at you and I say, perfect, perfect. Now I can give you my strength. When Paul was felt strong in himself, you know, God's, and when Paul was saying, I can, I can, I can, then God gets frustrated and he says, oh no, Paul's not weak. I can't make my strength perfect in Paul. And all of that's the secret behind the name Israel. So when a person is so weak and he decides to use all of his remaining strength just to cling to God, God says, Israel, Israel, that's Israel. Now I can make my strength perfect in him and he can have power with God and with men. That's how Jacob became strong. And this is what happened last week with a man named John. He's an Australian Jewish man, and John was like Jacob. He was like Jacob. He was strong in himself. He was strong in his own strength. John survived the Holocaust in Europe. And John, in his own strength, he came to America with nothing. And John, in his own strength, he worked hard, and he graduated from Harvard. And in his own strength, he did all this in his own strength. And then he rose to the heights of intellectual elite, he was a writer. He became a, an accomplished writer, and he wrote award-winning books like uh, Why Nations Go to War, and From Holocaust to Harvard. And Henry Kissinger writes on his book here, John's deeply personal account of his journey from Nazi-occupied Austria to the heights of American intellectual establishment is thought-provoking and heart-wrenching. 
So all of John's life, he's been resistant to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's choosing to believe myths about the Lord Jesus Christ and to believe that the Nazis and Hitler were Christians. He chose that. And, and why? Because John says, I don't need God because John was strong in himself. And if God tried to impose his will on John, John stubbornly resisted God. He fought with God. He was just like Jacob. He came to his own, and when God said to him, okay, now, here's my will, he said, no, he fights. But there was the time. There was the Peniel moment, like it was for a Jacob in Genesis 32, when John, with all of his strength, he was gone now, just like Jacob. He's in a state of weakness. He's in a hospital bed on the brink of going into hospice. And as John is told by someone in this room right now that God is Jehovah Jesus and that Jehovah Jesus came to earth and took on flesh and died for John's sins, then John, the fighter with God, suddenly becomes a clinger to God, and John asks the simple question, what can I do? What can I do? And when John was told, you can accept the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's inviting you to receive him as God and Savior. And then John's asked the question, do you wanna do that, John? And John nods and says yes, and John the fighter becomes John the clinger to God as he received the Lord Jesus Christ. The loser, John the loser, became John the winner. Before John, he fought with God. He fought with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he lost that battle. In his weakened state there in the hospital bed, he used all his strength just to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. He became an Israel. He became, God says, okay, now I can call you Israel. He became the winner. That was the fight with to the cling to change that happened to John. And that's what happened to Jacob in Genesis 32. That was where Jacob, with the, he changed from the fight with God to the cling to God. That was the great change. The fighter with God was just Jacob. That was his name. Just, oh, you're just Jacob. You're fighting with God, you're Jacob. Oh, Jacob, now you're clinging to God, you're Israel. You're Israel. So John's book now, you know, from, from Holocaust to Harvard, has got to be rewritten. You know, from Holocaust to Harvard to hospice to heaven. <laughs> Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so when Jacob was Jacob, that's a funny thing to say, when Jacob was Jacob, you know, he's always Jacob. All right, when Jacob was Jacob, when he was the fighter with God, he taught his sons, by his examples, you fight with God. You go your own way. You sing Frank Sinatra's song. I did it my way. You go in your own strength. Who needs God to rule your life? But when Jacob was an old man, then Jacob became Israel, the clinger to God. And he taught his son Joseph, by his example, the son of his old age, you be a clinger to God. You be an Israel clinger to God. And when Jacob looked at his other sons that he taught them and how he taught them to be, he says, oh, I see Jacob the fighter with God. But when he looked at Joseph and how he taught him in his life, he said, oh, I see Israel the clinger to God. And so that's why verse three is so significant in Genesis 37.3, where it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was a son of his old age. It doesn't say Jacob. It says Israel loved him. And we could restate it like this. Now Israel, the clinger to God, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. 
So Joseph was the son of Jacob as an old man, and that was when he was crowned with the name Israel. And so Joseph would hear Jacob say to him, he'd say to him, son, the most important activity you can do in life is to know God and cling to him. Don't let him go. And after, just hear him saying to Joseph, Joseph, after I became a clinger to God, I saw God. And I saw God, I actually named this place because I saw God. I call this place Peniel, which means face of God, because I saw God face to face. And when I saw God face to face, I got life. My life was preserved, as he said in Genesis 32, 30. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I had seen God face to face, and my life was preserved. That's why Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And then Jacob, he chose this special way that he was gonna show his love for Joseph more than all his children. I mean, can't you just picture Jacob? He's sitting there, he's planning it out in his mind, and he's saying to himself, I love Joseph so much. I mean, how can I make a statement to everybody how much I love Joseph than all my other children? I mean, what's the best way for me to show my personal special love for Joseph? I know, a coat. A coat? Not just any coat, oh no. (laughs) Special coat, rich coat luxurious coat, rich materials, many colors. And it'll be a coat, I'm gonna make this coat. I'm gonna go out there and select those materials that I'm gonna use. I'm gonna meticulously cut each piece of those materials. I'm gonna sew every piece of those materials. Oh, it's gonna be a beautiful coat. You know, and as we think of Jacob here, thinking this thing through and planning this coat and imagining it, then we can see in our imagination, Jacob making the coat. And we see all this meaning behind verse three. He made him a coat of many colors. I mean, this is the way Jacob shows his special love for Joseph. Jacob shows his special love for Joseph by making this special coat for Joseph. You know, a normal coat, it's a piece of cloth. You got a hole cut out in the top. That's where the head goes. Gets sewed up the sides. There you go. That's your coat. Next. (laughs) Okay. And that was a normal coat. That was a normal coat. And no sleeves. What do you need sleeves for? They just get in when you're way. You're supposed to work hard. You know, down to the ankles, you'll trip on it. You know, that's, that's your coat. Okay. But the Hebrew words that are used here to describe Joseph's coat indicates that this coat had sleeves down to the wrists. This coat went down to the ankles. This was some coat. All handmade for Joseph with the loving care of his father, Jacob. I mean, what a scene of that, you know? So, Joe, you know, what if I saw that, like I do tonight, you need a coat. (laughs) That shirt's too loud, you need a coat. No, what if I, (laughs) what if I say to Joe, hey, Joe, you need a coat. You know what I did for you, Joe? I went down to the Burlington Coat Factory, (laughs) and I said, Joe, here's the coat I bought for you, you know? And Joe says, did you make it? No, the label says that someone in Pakistan made it, you know? <laughs> okay, but if I set up a table in the front of the Creation Museum and I spend my time making that coat for Joe and everyone could see me making the coat, it means so much more to Joe because it was personally made by Joe. What's the most famous scene that we have in the Bible of a father making coats for his children? What? That's it. It's God, the Father, making coats for Adam and Eve. See, in Genesis 3.21, unto Adam, also unto his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Oh, what words are those? Whoa, how can we possibly imagine something like that? You know, in Genesis 3.21, unto Adam, to his children, the Lord God, 
make coats of skin and clothe them? You imagine that when Adam gets that coat, man, Adam can say, Adam can stand up and say, and can it be that thou, my God, should make a coat for me? <laughs> All right? <laughs> can you imagine the angels looking and saying to themselves, you know, they're saying something like, you know, 1 John 3, 1, behold, what manner of love God hath bestowed upon man that he himself should make coats for man and clothe them? So when we read that God made coats for his children, it causes us to come into this question of Psalm 8. Psalm 8, verse 3. It's this question, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, what's man? What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? You know these words like thou art mindful, thou visitest him. What's so striking us is to consider this personal involvement. You know, it wasn't somebody in Pakistan to make the coat. You know, if I made the coat and it was God who made the coat, that's how God loves. He loves with a personal involvement. And what strikes us so much in Genesis 33 is this word he, he, Jacob, he made him a coat of many colors. It was Jacob loving Joseph with this personal involvement. And can't you imagine Joseph, he's wearing that coat after he makes it, and he's stroking with it. He's not impressed with the beauty, but dad made this coat for me. It's nice, dad made this coat for me. And what a scene of Joseph stroking the coat and saying, dad made this coat especially for me. With all dad has to do to run this big household here, I'm just one of his 12 sons. Why should he care and love me so specially? Why should he make this coat for me? What scene, you know, Adam and Eve and stroking their coats of skins and say, God made this coat especially for us. He made this coat especially for me. With all God has to do in keeping his great creation operating, why should God care? Why should God care if, if we needed coats to cover the shame of our nakedness, as he said? I mean, why should God make the coats himself? Why didn't he have somebody in Pakistan or an angel make the coats for us? Why should God clothe us? Why should he sit there and say, now stand still while I put this coat on you? And as we look at Joseph, we look at Adam and Eve, you know, and asking those questions, it brings us to ask some questions about ourselves. Why should Jehovah Jesus care that you and I have sinned? Why should he care? Why should he care that we are in need of an atonement covering for our sins, an atonement coat, something to cover our sins? Why should he care? You know, we're coming up, reminder, next Sunday is gonna be Rosh Hashanah, the new year, then following will be Yom Kippur. The word means day of covering. You could call it a day of coat, the day of covering. Why should Jehovah Jesus care? Why should Jehovah Jesus himself come to earth, be so abused, suffer so much, die this horrible, shameful death on the cross, be buried and rise again just to become our coat? just to become our atonement that we needed for our sins. But Jehovah Jesus did. And all that is brought to mind when we read what Jacob did for Joseph, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when Joseph wore that coat, oh man, it just spoke of his choice. God chose me, you know, and that was so wonderful. And when we read about Jacob making a coat of many colors for Joseph, you know, we can't read something like that without, without thinking about the Lord Jesus. You know, the Lord Jesus wore a coat. 
He wore a coat that showed the Father has chosen me, the Father has preserved me, the Father loves me. You know what that coat was? It was his miracles. When he did those miracles, people said, whoa, he's special. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. 